the bottom line is making a difference for the people we serve. And that's what we have been and will continue to be all about at Virginia Mason. Hello, I'm Dave Gans, MGMA Senior Fellow for Industry Affairs, welcoming you to the executive session, a monthly discussion with a healthcare leader on a critical issue of interest to medical practice executives. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Gary Kaplan, fellow in the American College of Physicians, fellow in the American College of Medical Practice Executives, and fellow in the American College of Physician Executives. Gary is the Chief Executive Officer, Virginia Mason Franciscan Health, as well as Senior Vice President, Common Spirit. The not-for-profit Virginia Mason Health System in Seattle, Washington, this system has over 40 medical clinics, 1,100 physicians, and 8,400 employees who are supporting its healthcare and research commissions. Most importantly also, on January 5th, 2021, Virginia Mason merged with CHI Franciscan to form Virginia Mason Franciscan Health, which is part of Common Spirit Health, a national not-for-profit health system. Gary, please introduce yourself and can you describe your expanded executive responsibilities at Virginia Mason and Common Spirit? Of course, and uh, thank you, Dave. It's, uh, it's a real pleasure to be with you today and welcome our listeners. I am uh, a longstanding, many of you know, I've had the privilege to meet, but a longstanding uh, a team member at Virginia Mason Medical Center. I've actually been at Virginia Mason 43 years and have had the privilege to serve as CEO for the last 21 years. Uh, I also continue to practice internal medicine, albeit much less than, than I used to practice. Uh, as Dave mentioned, in early January, we formed uh, Virginia Mason Franciscan Health and really went from a small, somewhat boutique health system to a large integrated delivery system here uh, in the Pacific Northwest. As such, we are part of Common Spirit Health, uh, a national system. My responsibilities today are to serve as co-CEO of Virginia Mason Franciscan Health. My dyad partner, Katul Patel, and I lead our system, uh, which is really made up of now 11 hospitals, uh, 18,000 employees, and over 5,000 physicians. We have a large footprint across uh, Washington State and actually have more points of entry into our delivery system than any uh, of our competitor organizations. We're excited about what this new organization can become, bringing the very best of both uh, Legacy Virginia Mason and Legacy Franciscan. Uh, we're already off to a running start and uh, have been learning together. We're in a period of discovery uh, and deep learning, learning about our, the other's organization and uh, helping to forge a new common identity, a common culture. And uh, from a Virginia Mason standpoint, building on much of the foundation that we've worked hard to establish over the past two decades that I'm sure we'll uh, discuss uh, over the course of this podcast. Yeah, thank you, Gary. Uh, actually, I neglected to mention that Gary was MGMA's board chair and has had numerous other leadership positions within the association. You know, Gary, under your leadership, Virginia Mason has built a reputation for its focus on patient safety and placing the patient at the peak of its strategic plan You've also widely recognized for creating the Virginia Mason production system, which is implementation of the famed Toyota lean concept 
and adapting that to healthcare. I've had the opportunity to listen to several presentations where you describe that healthcare is a combination of complex production processes. Uh, this is the, the Virginia Mason production system where you admit a patient, you have a cl clinic visit, you go to surgery or a procedure, you send out a bill, and these involve thousands of separate processes that each involve concepts of quality, safety, customer satisfaction, staff satisfaction, cost effectiveness. Also, you've described how these are complex and multiple products, and if they fail, they fail with a fatality of the patient, uh, huge consequences. So can you give our listeners a short description of how this focus on the patient, combined with the Virginia Mason production system, has really transformed the entire health system over these years? Well, thanks for that question. It's uh, open-ended. It gives me a chance to to talk about our journey over the past uh, two decades, and it's really been a journey. You know, having been at Virginia Mason uh, for 43 years, I've long been very proud of our traditions. Uh, we were founded by physicians, so our heritage, our legacy is really in the group practice of medicine. Our founders came from the Mayo Clinic and the University of Virginia to form the first group practice in the Pacific Northwest. And they realized how important teamwork collaboration was and the last 100 years of our history has been building on that vision and that foundation. When I had the, the honor of becoming the seventh CEO in what is now 101 years, I knew that we had a lot to be proud of, but I also knew that the environment was rapidly changing and that we as an organization needed to change. In fact, I'll never forget the day uh, in October of the year 2000 when I stood up in front of our professional staff, several hundred physicians, and said, you know, we change or we die. And that urgency was actually very compelling for people. Some would say, would say oh, my God, the sky is falling. But most said, you know, finally we're hearing the truth and we know we've got to continue to change and evolve. What that led to was a a new strategic planning process led by our health health system board, bringing in internal stakeholders, physicians, nurses, including as well patients and families, to design a new strategic plan. And really the first question I was asked as a new CEO is by the board was, who is your customer? And like everybody in healthcare, I suspect, I said, the patient. But what was interesting was the board's response. They said, well, if that were true, why do things look the way they do? And in fact, as we began to do a deep dive on our processes, we realized they were all designed around us, the doctors, the nurses, all of the people who worked in the organization, but not around our patients. And so we became very clear that the first element of our strategic plan was to move from what I used to be proud of saying was a physician-driven organization to really being a patient-driven organization. And that's really been the true north, the touchstone for the organization. Uh, that was coupled with the creation of an organizational vision to be the quality leader, not just in Seattle, but anywhere. We're still working hard at it, but we think that when and if we could ever prove it, it would be a great uh, business strategy. And so our focus on truly becoming patient-driven, this was before patient-centered care, was really the, the buzzword in the industry. And 
doubling down on quality and safety was critically important for us. I personally went looking for a management system because once we had this new vision, this new strategic plan, we also put together a series of compacts, starting with a new physician compact, followed by a leader and subsequently a board compact. We needed to understand how are we possibly going to execute on this, on this vision. And I went to some of the great institutions across the United States. And frankly, nobody in healthcare had a management system. They were, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And that's when we learned about what Boeing was doing just down the street, applying the Toyota production system to building airplanes and shortening the cycle time to build a 737 from 21 days to 11 days and building it faster safer, less expensively, and with higher quality. And we said, wow, maybe there's something here for healthcare. We began to explore it. And indeed, we found that it was directly applicable to healthcare. And so today, and for the last 19 years, this has been our management system. And we're the furthest along of anybody in the world consciously deploying the Toyota production system, what we call the Virginia Mason production system or lean management to healthcare. And now we have the privilege of teaching it uh, through our Virginia Mason Institute organizations around the U.S. and around the world. Uh, this has been quite a journey for us because we had to go through all of the stages of change management. Uh, we all read the books, Cotter's book and others, Bridges' book on transitions. And we found that there were many principles. And as I reflect on the, the principles that have been integral to this journey, uh, it starts with a willingness by leaders to create a sense of urgency, to shine a bright light on our defects, to understand that we can be better, as proud as we might be of the great things we do for people. We need a shared vision. We need to agree where we're going. And for us, that vision was around quality. But I would commend the notion of working together, physicians, organizations, to create that shared vision uh, so that we know where we're uh, headed. And it becomes very much what we would call the why. In addition to the shared vision, uh, changing the way we lead. Uh, as a physician leader, I used to be what we might call an advocacy leader, uh, focused on getting the resources for my department being leaders as change sponsors, engaging with people and helping to lead and sponsor the changes that are needed. And then finally, creating the aligned expectations that are so important. And we did that through a series of compacts. I think as we've progressed, we've learned that we have to attend to both the technical change, a lot of that's the tools of lean and how do we improve our cycle times, our workflow, uh, take uh, defects out of our processes, but also the human or adaptive elements of change, which is really all about um, the sense of loss that people have. I remember when we put in electronic health records, and that, and some would think, is a technical change. Uh, learn how to use Epic or Cerner or whatever system you're on. But actually, it was also an adaptive change. I remember the feeling when I realized I couldn't just handwrite an order or give a verbal order in my own hospital. Uh, that was a sense of loss and an adaptive change. You described how the transformation yeah. was not easy or quick, 
and it was the leaders who dealt with the changes that had to occur. Uh, can you give us some more on the role of your executive leaders and the practice leaders uh, with the boots on the ground? How did they transform? Because you, tra you can't transform the whole system without getting full commitment throughout the organization. And also, I know Virginia Mason is, is recognized for having its cross-functional management teams do things. So it's not just administration, it's not just the, your professional or your nursing staff, it's a cross-functional team. And I think this is an area that many organizations, they need to understand how can they better implement these teams and be more effective in their, in their own systems. Yeah, so that's a great, a great question and a great point. We knew early on that unless we changed the minds of our leaders, starting with the senior leaders, starting with the C-suite, we were not going to be able to transform an organization. And so we embarked on a process to change the minds of leadership. And uh, as you know, Dave, we've had a long-standing dyad model of leadership. In fact, it goes back to our founding a uh, hundred years ago, and and I even wrote my uh, my fellowship paper for the college, along with Sarah Patterson, my longtime administrative dyad partner, on the power of dyad management. And so, when I talk about engaging our leaders in this journey, we were talking to both uh, professional administrative and management colleagues, as well as our uh, very highly evolved physician leaders, physician executives. And in fact, on our very first trip to Japan, which we took in 2002, at the advice of our colleagues at Boeing, we took the entire executive team, 30 people, close to half of which were physicians and half of which were our professional administrators. That course, that, that path we took was critical because so much of quality improvement today really exists in the middle of organizations. And they get all excited and all energized, and then they kind of butt up against the C-suite who claims they're working on more important things like you know, new facility development and mergers and acquisitions and things of that sort. So taking our dyad leadership model and really elevating it and having the, the management system uh, deeply embedded in our leadership was critically important. And so we required that all leaders of Virginia Mason, and there were hundreds of them, uh, needed to be deeply trained in the Virginia Mason production system methods and tools. It's still a very key requirement. So when new leaders come join us here at Virginia Mason, they know that that's part of the work they're going to be doing. The Virginia Mason management system, the Virginia Mason production system, is a leadership system that provides focus, it provides direction, provides alignment, and it gives us tools for managing our daily work. Now, that's critically important. We also know that in many organizations, the silo man mentality is really alive and well. And we know that healthcare is very much a team sport, that we have to tear down those silos. We need to understand our own work and our own value streams but we also have to understand the work of the, what I would call the intersecting value streams. So if we understand a perioperative flow or in our ambulatory surgery facilities or in our hospitals and the flow through the surgical experience, we can't do that without the flow of information, the supply chain flows, 
all of these critical ingredients. And so cross-functional management is critically important. And by mapping out the work using our value stream mapping tools, we're able to see that, for example, the care of a total joint replacement patient begins perhaps in my primary care office. And then it goes to the orthopedic surgeon's office. And then it's the uh, preoperative processes, the intraoperative processes, the postoperative processes, and the recovery phase. We call that cross-functional management. And we think that's critically important uh, that, that, that our leaders have a deep understanding of that across the entire value stream. Let's focus on how you train your leaders, because I think one element that there are a few organizations who actually focus on leadership training to bring people within their organization or from outside the organization who have joined it to understanding the role of leadership and the expectations of a leader. One of your publications talked about having visible and committed leaders. They stand up with their, with their employees and they engage them daily. So can you talk some on how you've gone about training your leaders? Because obviously, if you're going to utilize them to their best capacity, they have to be, they, you have to sometimes bring people up in their skill sets. So how have you trained your leaders? Well, very, very planfully. And, and that's really a multidimensional question because when people come to Virginia Mason, every one of our team members is actually uh, trained in the introductory principles of, of the Virginia Mason production system. But for leaders, it becomes much more. Uh, we have what's called the Virginia Mason production system for leaders curriculum. And it's a defined curriculum that is required for all of our leaders. So they not only are trained to understand and work within a lean management system, they're also trained to lead it. So part of our conscious implementation strategy was to have both a centralized you know, hub of knowledge, but also a decentralized ability in every single service line or work unit to actually lead uh, what we call Kaizen or continuous improvement, rapid cycle improvement events. And so every one of our leaders is trained to lead those events. One of the key principles of leadership for us is that the leaders have to personally be uh, on the gemba or the shop floor or in the clinic, you know, get out of our offices. I tell my direct reports, we'll go over your list in my office, but for 20 minutes and then we're going somewhere. Let's go to the clinic. Let's go to the laboratory. Let's go to the OR. And so that kind of experiential learning coupled with the didactic learning around use of tools, but also other leadership principles is critically important. We also then have a, what we call a talent development and succession planning a body of work, which is really to ensure that uh, we have a deep bench of talent and that every leader at Virginia Mason understands their career growth opportunity. And I think that, uh, that that's really important. Everybody has a development plan. And where we recognize high potential leaders, we put them through, in addition to their day job, what we call the leadership development intensive. And that's uh, helping them to learn basic and fundamental leadership, but also to look at that leadership through a lean lens. And it's, uh, it's really critically important uh, that we have that training and those experiential opportunities uh, because you need to have leaders that are committed, the leaders that are aligned, 
and not everybody can lead, lead in that system. Um, and so that's also part of the change management that's required. Maybe we'll finish a discussion of leadership with another topic, and that is what are the traits you are looking for and need for the leader in the future? Well, I think that uh, new leaders need to, first of all, be a systems thinker. So what this is really all about is it's applying systems engineering principles to healthcare, and they are so applicable. They're critical to becoming high reliability organizations that are truly as safe as our patients expect uh, appropriately for us to be. So systems thinkers. I think we, we want to get out of our old hierarchical boss mode and become much more coaches or facilitators. And we're able to do that if we're spending a good part of our leadership day uh, with our team members, not in our offices looking at spreadsheets. You know, many of us cut our teeth in leadership and advanced in leadership because we were really good problem solvers. Uh, we call that kind of the Superman or superhero leader. Uh, we would swoop in, solve a problem, and move on to the next problem. But that didn't really build capability. And so we want to move from problem solvers to problem framers, where we actually are helping to frame the issues, asking using the techniques of humble inquiry, asking our people who, can become, who know much more than we do about the processes in which they work every day, to really become the problem solvers. And so as a leader, we need to be able to coach that. We need to go and see for ourselves what's happening, but then we need to build the capability of the front lines. We want leaders who are curious, leaders who are lifelong learners, and leaders who are willing to understand that standard work is not just for frontline team members, but for leaders too. Even as the CEO today of a four and a half billion dollar company, I have standard work. About 20% of my work is standard, but that's not zero. Uh, if you're a frontline working supervisor, about 80 or 90% of your work can be standardized. These are some of the attributes and skills, we th traits we think about when we're looking for the leaders of today and the future. Thank you, Gary. This has been very insightful. I think so few organizations today have not have placed sufficient focus on training their leaders to do their jobs of leadership as well as doing their jobs of supervision. And I think that Virginia Mason is a great example of the payoff of training your leaders and recognizing how to help, help them improve in their leadership skills and set expectations for their leaders. I think one last thing I'd like to discuss is the recent merger of Virginia Mason and CHI Franciscan. I mean, you, you described the new organization, its breadth of, of focus and its, breadth, uh, its large service area. Now, can you provide a little bit more insights on what are the reasons behind the merger for both organizations uh, and how the new organization will benefit both organizations and their patients? And how are you addressing the issues of culture within the new organization? Well, it's, that's a great question. It's, the full answer is much longer than we have time for. But, but let me say this. Uh, those of you who know me well know that in many ways I've been a poster child for independence. I've written in modern healthcare, spoken about this, uh, believing that consolidation was not always good for communities and for patients. And yet the world has changed uh, and changed in, in so many ways. 
we see continuing consolidation, continuing challenges for independent hospitals or independent group practices like uh, Virginia Mason had been. Uh, and we exist in a hyper-competitive urban market. So in our market, we have Kaiser bringing, putting billions into our market, uh, Optum also putting hundreds of millions into this market, uh, Sisters of Providence, a big national system. And so as my board and I looked at this, uh, we said, you know, Virginia Mason deserves better than hanging on by the skin of our teeth. Our doctors, our team members, and most importantly, our patients. And so we decided to at least explore what it would mean. And over the last four years, we've had a very successful clinical partnership with CHI Franciscan, a multi-hospital system here in our market. And we found ourselves to be very complementary. And so we are focused on bringing the best of both organizations together. One of the reasons that we believe this is the right partner for us is that we have agreed that the Virginia Mason production system will be the management system across the entire uh, footprint of Virginia Mason Franciscan Health. They are interested in learning about dyad leadership models, uh, integrated care, and this was an opportunity to create something new, something exciting. It's not about raising prices in the market. It's about ensuring that we are able to do what it is we do best. And so we're convinced, and I've already gotten a lot of feedback, that patients will benefit, that we will have more resources, we will truly become a consumer-driven company, access to the latest technologies, and we will be the flagship, the innovation hub for Common Spirit Health, a national system with 147 hospitals in 21 states. So all of those opportunities said, yes, it will be different, but it became compelling for us. And so one of the, one of, also one of the things that's very different, you know, either Katul Patel or I believe that co-CEOs is the best model for management and healthcare, and yet we knew it was the right model for us in the, at this period of time to ensure that we're able to initiate and deploy the best of both organizations right out of the gate, and then we'll go from there. So far, we're very excited. We think we've got great opportunities ahead of us, and uh, uh, the bottom line is making a difference for the people we serve, and that's what we have been and will continue to be all about at Virginia Mason. All good reasons for the merger to occur, and I wish you, you know, both organizations and the new organization great success. Uh, there's so much more we could talk about, but I know how busy you are, so uh, your time is very limited. Uh, I'd like to uh, end and then uh, with a quote that you've, I've seen you use in your presentations from Eric Hoffer. He was an American longshoreman and a self-educated philosopher. Uh, and the quote is, in times of change, learners inherit the earth, while learned find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. I think very appropriate in the quick changing environment of healthcare. Uh, Gary, is there anything you would like to add to today's discussion? No, just to thank you and our listeners uh, for our time together. And I hope this was helpful. And, and people should feel free if they have additional questions or thoughts uh, to reach out to me at any time. I'd be happy to talk further. Gary, thank you so much. Uh, excellent discussion today. I learned information that I, uh, that I appreciate, and I'm sure our listeners will have 
a similar experience. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dave.